Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello and welcome to Cozy Cryptid. I'm your host, Hainer. And since this is a pretty short one and I almost been get this done and everything, uh, it'll be just me this week. But this week we're in the Mexican state of Narit. The little Mexican state of Narit lies on the western coast of Mexico. While small an area is rich in history and legend. Say we will look at its island prison. A strange and unexplained skull has attracted much debate about its origins. A simple but uh, touching legend from the state uh, of Narit. Okay, first up is Isla Marias, the Mexican Alcatraz. The year was 1928. The Mexican government had just sentenced a 14-year-old boy to the dreaded Las Marias Penitentiary. The teenager was a Communist Party member and radical political activist Jose Rolutes. He would spend a few years there and return later in his life. Although considered harsh punishment for a teenage boy even at that time, Ray Lutas would later use his experience while incarcerated as inspirations for several novels and other works critical of the Mexican government. By the 1960s, Ray Lutas had become one of the leading intellectuals behind the student disturbances of 1968 and was considered one of Mexico's most important communist intellectuals of, this, of his day. In and out of prison for his political dissent 
and other anti-government activities. Jose Revueltas never forgot the lessons learned during his first inscription in Mexico, famous island prison in the Las Marias. Wow. So, <clears throat> over three years in a prison, uh, 12 hours by boat off of the Pacific coast of the Mexican state of Nayarit, uh, there exists a small remote archipelago of four islands, sometimes called Las Tres Marias or the Three Marys. In English, the three main islands of this group were named after biblical Mary figures. The main island, Maria Madri, was named after Mary, the mother of Jesus. The second largest island named Maria Magdalena comes from Mary Magdalene, a close resurrection. A close female follower of Christ and a witness to both the crucifixion and resurrection. The third of the Tres Marias is the island of Maria Cleophas, named for another Mary present at the crucifixion. The four main island, the fourth main island of the chain, much smaller than three, islands, bearing the name of Maria is San uh, Juanito, which is also the north, northernmost island. The islands are tropical and for the most part covered with lush vegetation, being home to interesting flora and fauna. Some animals are only found on these islands. The Trius Maria's deer mouse lives in one place on Earth, Maria's Colofas Island. The Trius Maria's raccoon was once thought to be a separate species of raccoon, but is now regarded as a subspecies. The Trius Maria's Amazon is a yellow-headed parrot and is unique to the islands. Many feral goats... Dogs and cats also live, also call the island chain home. Unique subspecies of flowers, trees, and other plants also exist in the Tres Marias Islands. Oh, that's cool. So the little like a uh, mouse guy, was he? like the kangaroo mouse, was it called? Crucifixion, right here. Sorry, the little tree deer mouse. They're fucking adorable. Uh, when a small group of explorers made landfall in the islands in 1532, there were no signs of previous habitation. No evidence of ancient Native American habitation has been has since been found in the Isles Marias, and no legends or histories exist among indigenous groups on the mainland, indicating any knowledge of the existence of the islands. As with other remote islands throughout the world, early sailing ships left goats on islands to serve as future food as a future food source. The goat colony there maintained a steady level of population, did not completely destroy the ecosystem, as in other places. In the mid 1800s, islands saw many visits from America, flora and fauna collectors, especially those interested in tracking in yellow headed parrot, to sell to wealthy buyers in U.S. markets. Yep, everyone's trying to fucking fuck shit up. All right. Uh, the Mexican government of Benito Jorge's was the first administration to look at the islands critically and was interested in ex- even exploiting them economically or locating a prison there. The prison idea didn't die, and by the time of the presidency of Furio Diaz, the Mexican government started making plans to use the island as a penal colony. Island prison colonies were something of the fashion at the time. 
Alcatraz in San Francisco, Bay and Devils Island off the coast of French Guinea in South America, or famous island prison colonies in the late 1800s. Uh, Porfirio Diaz also saw expansion into and developed of Mexico's minor island territories as a way to increase national pride. On Isla Maria Madria, President Porfirio Diaz began with a lighthouse, and by 1905, Diaz and his prison had it had his prison. <coughs> Sorry. The famous teenage prisoner on Las Marias, the activist and author Jose Rivetas wrote a book in 1954 called Los Moros de Agua, or in English, Walls of Water, which aptly described the prison situation itself. Inmates were subject to various degrees of incarceration. Since there was nowhere to go, the ocean literally served as a prison wall to prevent escape. The early days of the prison were filled with stories of hard labor and torture. In the first few decades, the prisoners of Las, at Las Marias cut down most of the tropical hardwoods of the main island of Maria Grande and built most of their infrastructure in the small settlements of the island. The penal colony also had a small-scale manufacturing and workshops and farms that produce products set for export to the Mexican mainland. It's important to note that all this activity happened on Isla Maria Grande. Oh, so they're like 1800s. They're like looking at, they're looking at, um, like what we do with this island. When we can like take some resources off it, like you know, guys like, no, dude, let's make a prison. It'd be good for our country. And we show it off to everybody. And, Oh, speaking of Alcatraz, uh, go listen to, uh, like, uh, last podcast on the left. They did, like, a really good series on Alcatraz. And that bird guy, got the birds and Alcatraz, is really good. Go listen to it. Um, besides brief expeditions by support staff connected with the prison operation, the other islands and rocks of the group remained untouched. Throughout most of the 20th century, the prison population was not comprised of hardened criminals. At various points in time, even families were allowed to live with the prisoners in private homes on the island or were allowed 15-day visits from the mainland. Children of prisoners and those of the support staff needed a school, and there's also a need for shops and other services. So eventually, the prison island developed a town with a solid infrastructure, including a small hospital, stores, and even a home for a small congregation of nuns connected with the Isla Maria Chapel in Puerto Palito. For many years, uh, the colony was completely self-sufficient, raising fruit and vegetables and livestock and manufacturing its own items to sustain the island population. Sometimes prisoners tried to escape by making crude watercraft under the cloaks of darkness. No one ever made it to shore unassisted, though, because it was 62 miles to the coast of Narit and 230 miles from the southern tip of Baja. In 2011, six prisoners escaped by using plastic containers as flotation devices. They made it 60 miles south of the islands, but passing by a spot at the inmates and they were returned to Las Marias. The penal colony had logged 76 successful escapes, but they were done with assistance of prison officials, ferrymen, and other support staff who accepted bribes to get the escapees off the island. In 1986, an entire family of kidnappers, the race servant brothers, fled the island, and have never been heard from since. One of the 76 successful escapees, only 10 prisoners were captured. 
may potential fugitives were deterred from making their own rafts to escape because, like Alcatraz, there were rumors of sharks in the surrounding waters. Escapees often fled to the jungle-covered hills and the island interior, but really did not. But really, did anyone elude capture for more than a few months? Ultimately, there was nowhere to go. By the beginning of the 21st century, the Isles Maria's prison was the last island penal colony left in the Americas. On February, on February 18, 2019, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador announced the closure of Isles Marias. He said that it was more expensive to obtain a prisoner on the island than it was to house one on the mainland, and Mexico's jails were nowhere near capacity. The president also cited the tendency of the island chain to be hit by violent tropical storms that caused large amounts of damage. In Lopez's onboard's push for more schools and less prisons, he had a grand plan to convert the penal colony into an educational center for Mexican school children. Since those prisons shut down, the Islas Marias has been seeing a gradual transformation. Many of the small businesses and the pre-shutdown population have remained during this transition to tourism and, and education. Four islands are open to large-scale tourism to include resorts and hotels, however, there must be repairs made to the damage done to the island's ecosystem. While the islands and rocks of the chain remain in a near pristine condition, over 100 years of the activities of a penal colony put a great strain on the island Isla Maria Grande biosphere. Efforts have been made in recent years to replant the hardwood trees logged in the early part of the 20th century. The Mexican government has also been encouraging restoration of more habitats for the unique yellow-headed parrot native to the island. For years, the population has been decreasing as many following, many family members visiting inmates would smuggle parrots to, to sell at high prices to exotic pet brokers. The main prison complex is the process of being converted into a prisoner center and is named after island most famous inmate, Jose Revuletas. While there is much work yet to be done, the Mexican government intends to finish the job in the next few years, and the islands Marias will turn to the idyllic state once again. So, <clears throat> that's pretty cool, right? It's like a Mexican Alcatraz, and they're trying to make it to like a school and like tourism stuff. So, uh, so if you're interested, like, you might want to read um, some book from Jose Revolutas. That's something you might be interested in. But speaking of uh, like environment and helping the environment. I'll tell you a little bit about this. Well, you can help out the environment. What you do that is go buy, it's go get yourself a hat from snazzerx.com. Snazzerx is a hat brand and they work with uh, several environmental charities to help, um, environment out they make a promise of planting one tree for every hat they sell they have um, a bunch of different types of hats like like dad hats and like flatbacks and snapbacks and all that but you can save some money and help support the podcast as well as a as well as helping out the environment right now they have a giving Cozy Crypto listeners a deal of 35% off your order with code word COZYCAPS at checkout. Once again, and also if you buy one, 
three by five hats, you get uh one for free and free shipping along with your order. They have a day to day hat standard. They have like a this cool like that golf hats and a bunch of different materials and stuff. And they have like a classic like cap cap, you know, and they have like flat beds and once again you can use uh code word cozy caps to save thirty five percent off your order at snazzerx.com and how about the environment and get yourself a cool hat and how about the podcast? But let's continue on with the show. Next up, we have the Star Child Skull. In the 1930s, a curious 900-year-old skull was found in Mexico. It appears human-like with a bulging forehead, no brow ridges, and a small mouth. At first glance, it is otherworldly. Is the skull from an alien or alien-human hybrid, or is it from a dwarf or a child with extreme medical condition? We will first look into the history of the skull we will examine what makes it different from a normal human skull. Then we will look into some of the scientific tests done on the skull to determine exactly what we are dealing with. Alrighty. Alright, so where did this skull come from? During the 1930s, a Mexican-American teenage girl from West Texas was visiting, was visiting family members in the summer at a small village in the center part of the Mexican state of Chihuahua. Uh, much as we see today, this girl's family was truly binational, living in and visiting different sides of the border during most of the girl's childhood. And one of those visits, the girl went exploring on her own and came across an abandoned mine shaft. <clears throat> Inside the mine tunnel, she discovered a human skeleton lying on its back, an arm bone sticking out of the dirt, the hands of that bone wrapped around the upper arm of the exposed skeleton. The girl dug up the buried skeleton, which she described as smaller than the exposed one and somewhat deformed. She gathered up all the bones and hid them nearby. She had intention of taking them back to the States, but left them in her hiding place until it was time for her to go back. Between her hiding of the bones and the time of her return to Texas, there had been a flash flood in the area that had washed away most of the bones, but left the two skulls. Miss Happen's skull was damaged missing a jaw and most of the teeth. She took the, what she she took what she could back across the border and kept the, the skulls for the rest of her life. She had them stored in her garage, and at one point she applied a varnish or clear shellac to the scales, probably in an attempt effort to preserve them. The girl would die well into her 70s, told the story of her skulls but a few times, and could never recall the exact location of the town she had visited at the time of her discovery. Chihuahua isn't named the largest state by Mexicans, and its terrain can be inaccessible and difficult to manage. The girl only knew that it was near the Copper Canyon, the largest canyon systems in the world, and remote Sierra Madrid uh, Accidental. Whoa. When the discoverer of the skulls died in the mid-1990s, the skulls passed to the friends. Eventually, 
ended up in the hands of Melanie Young, a neonatal nurse from El Paso, Texas, in 1998. Uh, nurse Young approached several of her coworkers at the hospital where she, where she worked to try to understand what medical condition could have caused Skull to be so deformed. Not one of her medical colleagues could give Melanie an adequate explanation as to what was responsible for the deformity, and she could not resist without answers. This is what she con- this is when she contacted Lloyd Pye, a paranormal researcher who just published a book called Everything You Know Is Wrong, Book One, Human Evolution. From this meeting, the Star Trial Project was eventually formed in February of nineteen ninety-nine with Pye as its director. After getting assistance from his contacts in various medical fields, Pye began to subject the Mexican skulls had extraterrestrial origins. The initial tests on the skulls discovered the basics it is from a male, and the wear on his teeth would indicate that it is not of a child. The skull dates to around 1100 AD and is contemporary to the Mixtec and Zapotec kingdoms in the south of Mexico a powerful Toltec Empire, which dominated Central Mexico at the time. Lloyd Pye identified 24 distinctive Star Trials skull anomalies, which set it apart from a normal skull. Taken from the Star Trials Project website, these are the anomalies. I'll name off. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The bone is like no other bone on Earth. Its biochemical sensors is much richer in collagen than regular bone. Bone is uniformly half as thick or less than normal human bone. It is not thin in a specific area or areas due to abnormality. It is thin all over. The skull itself weighs half as much as a human skull's of a comparable size. The surface of normal human bones it's covered with tiny holes called lacuna, which performs the vital function replacing all bone cells with new ones. The sartral bone shows virtually no lacunae. Inside the bones are microscopic fibers that may act as to reinforce and strengthen the bone. 
all bone is like a sandwich, which hard uh, cortical bone on the outside and porous cancellous bone that looks like a sponge in the middle. The cancellous bone is where the bone marrow is stored. After death, this marrow turns black and is consumed by microorganisms. The cancellous holes of the 900-year-old skull found next to starch hollows are completely empty. However, the cancellous holes of the 900-year-old starch hollow bone contains traces of red residue. The fuck? The lower face of the tartile skull is much smaller than a normal human. It has no brow ridges, which all primates have. Its forehead is smooth, covered, curved straight down to its upper eye sockets, unlike humans or any higher primate. When the human forehead reaches upper eye socket, not only there's a sharp drop down to the pinch together bone that creates the upper nose. In the tartile, there is no drop. Nose extends straight moves from the forehead, staying wide and flat to the point where it is broken off. Unlike that of the humans, other and all higher primates. The star child's skull eye sockets are usually shaped are unusually shaped and are only 0.7 inches at maximum depth compared to normal human's eye sockets, which average about two inches deep. The optic forearms are the beginning are the openings in the back of the human eye socket, which let in the optics, which let in the optic nerve and all the other nerves and blood vessels that feed each eyeball and allow it to function. In the star trial skull, they are shaped and positioned differently. A star trial skull has no frontal sinuses, and an extremely rare condition. All that remains of the child's lower face is the right side of Mixlia. The roof of its mouth was flat. Like in any sign of a normal human arch, and like all of its lower, and all of its lower face is much smaller than any that of a normal human. The, the star child's zygomatic arches or cheekbones are broken off, but from the small fragment remains, it remains clear it, that the space between the cheekbones and, and the other bones of the face is much smaller than it would be in the normal human. This is significant because the chewing muscles for the lower Jaws pass through this, this space, and so must much have been, and so must have been much smaller than a normal human. Human chewing muscles attached from the lower jaw to the side of the skull, extending over a large area of the skull. This star child's chewing muscles cover only about half an inch of the skull. The star child's skull ear holes are positioned lower on the head than in a normal human. Wow. The star child's inner ears are approximately twice the size of normal human inner ears. The star child's neck muscles attach in a way that indicates it was a very small neck relative to two typical humans, no more than half its normal size. Human neck muscles normally attach to, at an elevated point in the rear center of the occipital bone, the rear bone of the skull. The elevated point is called the external uh, Accidental protuberance or Indian for short. All humans, indeed, all primates on Earth have an Indian. Star child skull does not. In addition to the external occipital protuberance or the outside of the skull, there's an internal occipital protuberance on the inside. This functions like a shelf holding some of the weight of the brain. While the star child does not have this internal shelf, it is much smaller than it would be in a normal human. Though 
the rear of the star child skull is widely expanded and greatly flattened. This is not the result of lithoprate binding or cradle boring. This was verified in 2004 by Dr. Ted Robertson and his team. At the top of the rear of the star child's head is a noticeable crease at the rear of the sagittal sculpture, where it meets a labdoyal suture. The only possible way this can happen to the human skull is there's an abnormal fusion of the sagittal sculpture. A CAT scan showed that there's no such abnormal fusions exist in the star child's skull. The star child's physical size is a small adult in the range of 5 feet tall or an average 12-year-old, 12, 12 which means its brain should be about 1,200 cubic centimeters. An average adult has 1,400 cc of brain. Instead, the child has 1,600 cc of brain. Uh, the teeth of the skull are a controversial subject. As many experts feel that they show child's child of about five years old. However, the binding surfaces of the teeth are worn and grounded to the degree that seems impossible to such a young child, especially one with smaller than normal chewing muscles. Wow. So this skull is like goofy as fuck looking, dude. Right? He has a big ass head, can't can't fucking build stupid nose, can't chew nothing. Little bee lies. It's looking like damn, you know, given these physical abnormal uh, anomalies of what are the DNA evidence? The skull has been tested at least six times. As it is very expensive to run such tests, a full genome on the skull has not yet been developed. The first test took place at a Canadian lab in 1999. The Star Skull Project dismisses the results found in the lab because of the carelessness and contamination. That was also not equipped to search for ancient DNA and supposed wide chromosome discovered, which was not found by the next lab to investigate the skull, or alleged to be from someone who had handled the skull over the years. The second round of DNA tests took place at a California lab called Trace Genetics. Those findings show that the skull had some Native American DNA consistent with their indigenous tribes of Chihuahua, but there was much of the DNA that was either missing or unexplained. Well, okay. According to the Star Child Project website, the skull was then sent to an undisclosed lab with, with a geneticist during pro bono work on the skull. The unnamed geneticist, geneticist uh, has been found some DNA in the skull that was conclusively human, but when data was sent to the National Institute of Health to find matches with other, with other species, it was found that there was no conclusive match with any known species on Earth. Testing on the skull is ongoing, and many tests need to be replicated in order to be upheld to rigorous scientific scrutiny. Of course, of course. Repeat. Uh, scientists and amateur debunkers have come out harshly against the idea that skull represents tangible evidence of alien visitation, or in the case of this claim of it being an alien-human hybrid, ancient alien genetic manipulation of humans. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. All right. Uh, debunkers claim that it's not enough tests have been run in the event that the anonymous geneticists at the secret lab who had been responsible for most of the testing should come forth and be known. Others dis- dismiss anything to do with the extraterrestrials of hand, say that the simple explanation is often the correct explanation, that a skull belongs to an unfortunate human, a dwarf suffering from massive deformities, or a child with a case of Hutchinson Guilford syndrome, or a simple hydrocephalia. However, this explanation doesn't account for all the 24 anomalies found between the star child skull 
and known human skulls. So, is the tar- Star Trial skull proof of alien visitation to Mexico? As always, leave the conclusion up to you. Wow. That's very interesting. Uh, in my opinion, it's... Uh, I'll have to see, get more testing done. That's what we need to do. But the unknown uh, DNA is very uh, telling. Right now, uh, Paleo, like there's a thing like Head University did a thing on it. Alrighty. So next up, we're going to do a talk about, uh, you know, like, uh, okay. Talk about some things. Alrighty. So, there are some ways you can help support the podcast. First off, you can, easy to say, simple way is just, uh, just listen, really. Listen, tell your friends about it. But, also, check out the merchandise. Get some, a shirt or a hat, a shirt or like a hoodie or like a sticker, which you can find at CozyCrypto.com or, and there's a should be linked down there on the main page. Also, you can check out uh, Waverlow. They're a watch company, and they have a bunch of cool watches and stuff. Uh, save fifty percent off your order with code word Cozy Time at Waverlow.com. Uh, but maybe you want some like a cool clothes or something. You can go to uh, Giovanni Doce and save thirty percent off your order with code word Cozy Cryptid Twenty, or go to BrutImpact.com. Um, and say 25% off your order with code word 25 underscore Tanner. Or maybe you want to get some nice, some nice jewelry for your special lady friend or your spouse or someone who just likes jewelry. Go to seraphia.com, save 90% off your order with code word cozyblaine 90 But, uh, when you want some, like, You want some like a uh, cool like guy girly? And you go over to uh, Balandi. Use Cozy Drip twenty five for twenty five percent of order at Balanzi.com. Or maybe you want some sunglasses. It is summer after all. You can go to either uh, NL No One Lily Glasses.com and save eighty percent after order with Cozy Shade eighties. Or go over to alicemartellsg.com and save 80% off with Cozy80 at checkout. Uh, there's more uh, brands you can check out at cozycrypto.com forward slash brands. There's the cohort there. You can find all that. And all those will help support the podcast uh, financially. If you want to. And don't forget to follow... And also, don't forget to follow me and watch me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash g1tanner. Right now, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm about the whole story, and I'll be doing that after this. Then I get done recording and uploading this to my uh, thing. 
I go do yeah. But uh, check it out and help support the show. If you any questions, yeah. Okay, I believe this is the last quick little story. Uh, indigenous legends from Narit, the mythical origins of a turquoise lake. In pre-Hispanic times, there was once a wealthy city-state called Mistisilin. Uh, is what is now is what is now the central part of the Mexican state of Narit. It became a rich little kingdom through trade with the Pacific coast. The larger empires of the Aztec and the Tarascans. A great king and queen ruled over Musclin and lived in an opulent palace with many servants. They had one child, a daughter, a beautiful young woman named Tipo Zilama. Ziyama? Uh, as she was the only royal offspring, the king and queen guarded her with extreme care. One day, Tipo Zilama went from a walk went for a walk in the company of her ladies and waiting. When suddenly they saw a wounded deer. As they approached to help the deer, the strong voice of a young man called out to them, to which Tim Bazilma replied, Who are you, and what are you doing here? The young warrior responded, I am Pintotil. Pintotil? Pintotil? Uh, it was a love at first sight between the princess and the young warrior. Pintotili. Even though uh, Pintanti was from a rival kingdom to the south, they took a battle to put on put all political differences aside and promise to see each other as often as possible. A few weeks later, during an important festival in the city of Michizatilin, Princess Tapazilama left the kingdom to see Pinto. Pinto Tinatili, also Pinto, dude, whatever. Uh, the woman's father, realizing her absence, questioned her ladies in waiting and made them tell them the whereabouts of the princess. The king, with his personal guards, went in search of Tepo Zilama to the place where the ladies had indicated a hidden corner in sort of a no man's land between the rival kingdoms. It was there where the kingdom, king and his guards found Tepo Zilama in the company of Pinto. When she approached her father, the princess said, My father, I know what my sin is very great, but I am in love, and I humbly ask for permission for me to marry him. The king replied, My daughter, never be in love with one of the most one of my worst enemies. Then turned to his guards and said, Take her away, tie her up, and don't beat her. So they last her to a tree and did the same with Pinto. Thus Tibozinlama and Pantalini remained tied within sight of one another. So close, so close, but yet so far. They cried for days and nights at their mis- misfortune. The tears formed the enormous and beautiful turquoise-colored lake, known today as Laguna de Santa Maria de la Ora. That's, that's a cool story, dude. Fuck. That's sad, though. Let me be emo. Let me cry like a bitch fight. I had to be tied up and stare at my loved one. All right. Thank you for... uh. Right, that's what that's uh that's pretty much the end of the episode. It's again pretty short, right? So But uh again you can go to cozycrypto.com and 
ask some questions. I'm trying to get a listener episode in and on the subject to put a listener episode so I know what's about. All right. Uh, Cozy Cryptid, CozyCryptid.com, C-O-Z-Y-C-R-Y-P-T-I-D.com. That is the website for the podcast, but you can also find it everywhere you listen to podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Pod App, whatever, fucking Podchaser. Leave reviews on Podchaser and iTunes. Uh let me know what you think. If you want to be a guest on the show, there's also a form there. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, uh, check me out. Check out the podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Both uh, are Cozy Cryptic Podcast and on Twitter at Cozy Cryptic Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'll see you next week and your friends about the show and I hope you have a wonderful week Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.